0: Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ayo. And the first thing I wanna do is is tell you guys that every year, every year I do this, and I guess it's it's cultural, somewhat conditioning, very traditional, but post-Thanksgiving in the U.S., which is in and of itself kind of a fascinating holiday to observe, but after Thanksgiving, what I like to do is do Black Friday sales. Black Friday, Black Friday, Black Friday, right? Black Friday is gonna last to the end of the year, and what I like to do every year is offer you guys Discounts. Now, the discount I offer is on all courses. So, if you guys want to get into the Indomitable Self Confidence course, if you guys want to do the Alpha Relationships course, if you want to take a look at how to stop buffering or what is your purpose, all of the courses are discounted to the end of the year. It's kind of like that service I give because if you've been thinking about getting one of these courses, then because you're thinking about it, there's a call to it. And Personally, one of the things that I find to be one of the neuroses or one of the insanities or sicknesses that we as humans are dealing with is we do not follow through on what our soul is calling us to do. We don't follow through on our dharma. We don't follow through on our soul's calling because we've been conditioned to fear money because we have fears around money. Because we think that we can't afford it, because we think that there won't be enough, because you think if I spend money on this, then I won't have enough money for that. And it's really just a matter of scarcity. It's a scarcity mindset, and it's erroneous, and it's ridiculous. But telling you that does nothing to change that. <laughs> of course, there are ways to change that, which is what we work on in the academy, which is we work on you know the cognitive mastery and so on. But for those of you that are not there yet, I want to see if I can help you get there by reducing the price, right? So I dropped the price for one month a year, December, every year, these courses go on sale. Now that's happened. So you can go to the alpha male coach.com and you can take a look. The courses are on sale, but also consultation calls. Consultation calls are going to be on a reduced rate as well, because a couple of reasons. One is if you guys have questions, if you guys want to talk about things, because the podcast is one directional if you guys are listening to the podcast, you don't get to ask questions. And I know that some of these concepts, some of these things I'm talking to you about can be wild, you know, pretty outrageous and maybe profound, mind blowing. And you might have questions about what about this? What about that? How does it relate to my life? And once again, for the same reason that I put the courses on discount, I want to put the consultation calls on discount so that the barrier, which isn't a financial barrier, by the way, brothers, it's not. Because $150 for a consultation call or $300 for a a life-changing course, eight-week course, is not going to break your bank. And in fact, many of these courses are probably going to inflate your bank account because of the changes that you'll make inwardly, internally. However, like I said, I can't just tell you that. Like You have to experience that. You have to go through that. So the consultation calls are also on reduction in terms of rates. I pulled back the price of the consultation call so that this whole month, I plan to be booked. Like, I want to be booked. I want to talk to you guys. I want to work with you guys. I want to see which you guys have been hesitating. Why haven't you bought the course? Why haven't you signed up for a consultation call? Because I know it has something to do maybe with the neurosis around money, if you do it at the reduced rate. Now, today, we're going to talk about letting go. And when I say letting go, I know that that can conjure up a lot of different thoughts for people. What does that mean, letting go? Does that mean Not having? Kind of like the whole concept of detachment. When I talk to you guys about detachment, and even when the Buddha talks about detachment, so many people kind of resist that teaching because, for two reasons. Number one is because they have the concept of not having. That detachment or letting go means giving something up, means pushing something away. And that's not what it means. The other reason why people tend to resist detachment or letting go is because they are afraid of who they will become once that thing is gone. And if you go back to the last couple of weeks where we were talking about the TV of life and, you know, channel two, channel three, well, if you let go of channel two and you move on to channel three or channel four, then there can be this fear of, well, what happens if I don't identify with my body anymore? What happens if I detach from this? thought that I am this body. Well, does that mean that I'll start to abuse my body? Does that mean that I'll stop brushing my teeth? Does it mean that I'll stop eating nutritious foods? I'll start eating a bunch of sugar? Does it mean that I'll stop going to the gym because I just don't care about the way I look anymore? Um, Does it mean that I'll stop wearing makeup or stop wearing uh, perfumes? Well, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. The truth is, yeah, it's possible, sure. But it's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily that that's the way it will go. So, I wanna make sure that you guys know that when it comes to this idea of letting go, it doesn't mean the same thing as pushing away or giving up. And it certainly doesn't mean that, you know, you'll become this completely different person, although that's possible. That's certainly possible to become, because if you shift from channel two, channel three, channel four, you know, there's going to be a shift in perception of consciousness, of awareness, so that that might occur. But what I really wanna do is tell you some stories. I want to tell you some stories today that I think are examples of letting go that show you that, number one, you won't have to give anything up, and number two, that you won't become a different person. And I'm going to tell you three stories. (laughs) Two of them are not mine. Two of them come from my teacher. And this teacher is no longer with us, by the way. Many of my teachers actually have left their body behind, have left their body and moved on to another plane. And that's simply because, I don't know, because I've been doing this work for a long time, and a lot of the people that I have learned from have been quite a bit older than me. But this particular teacher, he was a, well, you probably know him. His name is Ram Das or Richard Alpert. He spent time with Ramana Maharashi in India. Now, this first story is actually a story that was told to him. This is something that was there for him, and it's something that he tells a lot of stories of his guru. There are a lot of stories that you can listen to about Ramana Maharashi that are just amazing. So many stories. For anybody to think that the world is controlled by the president of the United States or the bankers, the IMF, you know, the International Monetary Fund or the United Nations or or maybe some kind of like a secret organization of billionaires and trillionaires, maybe some of these stories will change your mind (laughs) because... There are people in the world who have the power to perform miracles, and they don't all the time. They don't do miracles all the time. There are people that could end the wars, that could end all wars in the world right now. They could end all conflict and all war. But the issue with that is that while some of us might say, well, why don't they? They should. You know, wars are bad, wars are killing, people suffer, people die, you know, innocent children and, and women and children, they get bombed and blown up. And, and, you know, if there are people out there that have the power to stop it, they should do that. But The problem is, is conflict is a part of harmony. It's a part of perfection. And that that conflict is the working out of what needs to be worked out in that area of the world through the karma, through the actions of the people there. Because they are dealing with their uh, shadows, they're dealing with their you know, channel two, channel three, channel fours, and because they're dealing with that, it would be destiny robbing, it would be karmic robbing for anybody to engage in that. For someone who you know, like a Buddha, like a Christ, who you know, like an enlightened being, to perform a miracle just to end it, just say, oh, well, that's that's conflict, that's evil. We need to just stop it. But it's our perception, right? It's it's our version of what we think is right and wrong that gets us into that struggle and that conflict and that trouble around this should be that's why we look to people like well like the President of the United States or like the United Nations that really have no power whatsoever in this world. We just think they do. And then when they do nothing, we get them out of office and we get somebody else in the office that will all equally do nothing because there's nothing that can be done. It is the way of the world It is the harmony of what must be done. It's karmic function. It's karmic. Karma means action. So it's action. It's the action that these humans need to take in that area. And just like the humans that need to be in the United States that are bankers or carpenters or lawyers or teachers or, you know, massage therapists or whatever, you know, or homeless. That's their karma. That's their action. It's their action to be this. And, you know, we may say like, we need to get everybody off the street and get everybody fed. And well, yeah, if that's what your action is. But just to say that we, we all need to do it. Well, if you need to do it, you go do it. <laughs> that's maybe your karma. But to say that we need to stop this because it looks bad, because it doesn't feel good inside of you. That's your work to, that you need to do. And, and I may be getting off, off topic a bit because I want to tell you these stories. Now, the first story is about, it's actually about a British businessman. And he had a lot of businesses in England, but he all had a business in Madras as well. And while he was in Madras, he was having a lot of trouble sleeping. He was very agitated. He was very upset. He was very angry. And the manager, his manager, one of the managers that worked for him, one of his employees in the Madras store, said, man, you should go see this this person, this saint in India. And he was talking about Maharashi. And so the Englishman agreed, you know, this businessman, he had a lot of money and he flew to India in a flying boat, they called it, which is, you know, a seaplane. But, you know, when it was, when the story was told, it was this flying boat, right? The businessman, he came to to Madras and he was taken to see uh, Ramana Maharashi. And he was going to stay there for several weeks. He was going to stay in the ashram with Maharashi for several weeks. And he came into the hall in the ashram and the hall was silent. Everybody was sitting there and, you know, he sat down and nothing happened. Now, this is a very successful businessman, right? So this is somebody who already has, you know, maybe he's in channel two, maybe he's in channel three. So already he's thinking like, like there's a lot of expectation, like something has to happen. He's already in this channel four of agitation, right? This channel four of anger. And so as he's sitting there and nothing is happening, everybody's very still and silent in the ashram, in the hall, he starts to get more and more agitated, and after about 15 minutes, again, he was supposed to stay there for several weeks, but after about 15 minutes, he just couldn't stand it anymore. And he stood up and he said, I'm leaving. This is silly. I can't spend my time this way. I'm a business owner. I run several businesses. I need to get back to my business. I, I was expecting, you know, I, I, something needs to happen immediately. Some, I need to feel better. I need to not be agitated. I need to sleep better. I need to, to not be angry. And he just was about ready to walk out. And so Ramana Maharshi who rarely talked said to him he said sir before you leave again he wasn't preventing him from leaving <laughs> he didn't say no 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 don't go wait wait the two weeks and just see what happens right he didn't say that he wasn't going to interrupt this man's destiny because what i was talking about earlier these saints these holy men these these miracle these people that can perform miracles they don't interrupt destiny they don't say no you do what i tell you to do they just let you you know sir before you leave would you do me one favor do you one favor for me. And the businessman said, Yes. So he said, Would you be kind enough to write a note to your wife? He said, All right. If that's what you want, I'll do that. I'll write a letter to my wife and, and I'll do it, whatever. And so they brought this man a pen and paper and he wrote, Dear Hilda, I didn't find what I wanted here. I'll be back on Tuesday. Did you wander the plants? And has Doris gone to the dentist? Signed, Henry. And he finished the note and Ramana Maharshi held out his hand and took the note and he got it from the businessman and he folded it and he put it under his butt and right? he basically sat on it, which was naked, right? Because I don't know if you guys know uh, Ramana Maharshi. He, you know, he just would wear a blanket. You know, he, he didn't have these possessions. He wasn't wearing clothes. He was wearing a blanket and he put it under his butt, which was naked. And he said, now, would you be kind enough just to stay with me for five more minutes, just five minutes? And the guy said, the businessman said, all right, all right, sit down. And he sat there for five minutes. Then Maharashi got up. After five minutes, he got up and he started to shuffle out of the room. Just walked right past him. He just walked right past the man. And as he walked past the man, he handed him the piece of paper back. And then he went out of the room and the man said, what is this? Like This man is insane. This man is crazy. <laughs> I've been told to come here that this man is a holy man, that this man is, produces miracles, that he's, you know, people just be, just by being with him, people become enlightened, they have mystical experiences. What is going on? You know, this man is just, just a lunatic. But then he looks down at the paper. It's a different piece of paper than what he had written the note on and given to Maharashi. And so he opens it up. He opens up this piece of paper, which is different, and he reads it and it says, Dear Henry, I'm sorry you didn't find what you want in India. I have watered the plants, and Doris has gone to the dentist. I'd write a longer letter, but the tall man with the turban who brought me the note is insisting I answer you very quickly. Signed, Hilda. <laughs> now, I know that that's a funny story, right? That's a, it's a funny story to say, okay, so well, what happened? Right? There's this note, he goes under the butts and then it comes out of the butt and there's this tall man in a turban. So it's it's a story. And these stories of these miracles of Maharashi, they're not isolated stories. They happen all the time. Or they happened all the time with people that were around him and they witnessed these. And there were many recorded. I mean, many people have recorded these stories, these miracles, these occurrences. And really what they're for, what these stories are for is to help you let go. You know, it's not like these miracles are here to create some kind of, hey, look what I can do. Look what I can do. I can perform miracles. You know, look at how great I am. Look at how close to divinity I am. Look at how, look at, look at, I like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the Christ. I'm the Buddha. I can do this too. You know, it was never about that. Miracles are about just like getting in there, slipping in that space between what you think is possible and what is really possible. And right in that little space where you all of a sudden have this hiccup, you have this hiccup in your mind around, whoa, wait a second. I didn't think that was possible. And when you have that little hiccup, when you have that little space, there's almost like a gap in time. There's almost like a gap in time where you feel presence. You feel oneness and you realize that the entire way you view the world has been a construct of illusion, has been a construct of just fantasy, a construct of of rules and conditioning. And it's so limited, it's so myopic in perspective. And, and, and these miracles help you break out of that perspective. And they help you let go. They help you let go because they help you let go of your limited myopic perspective. Because for this particular businessman, if he was in Channel 3, we'll say, I'm a businessman, you know i've got i'm important my time is valuable you know blah 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 that's that's channel 3 channel 4 i'm angry i'm agitated right because that's the emotional part and so to experience something like that for this man to see in his wife's handwriting you know it's not like maharashi could have planned that it's not like he could have said hey let's have this guy's wife write me a letter that says these things and i'll store it under my butt So that when he's ready to, so when he comes in and he's ready to leave, I'll ask him to stay and write a letter and then I'll just do a quick sleight of hand. I'll just do a quick swap with him, right? Because he didn't know that this man was going to leave. He didn't know what this man was going to write. He says none of that. Like it's just imperceptible to the mind on how this occurs, how this, how this happened. Okay. And so it's really just about helping you let go. And it's no different than water into wine. It's no different than say healing the sick or feeding people with, you know, th- five loaves and two fish, you know it's it's simply a matter five thousand people with five loaves and two fish. It's a matter of how is this possible? I need to let go of the way I see the world, the way I experience the world, because if I don't let go of the way I see the world, then I'm gonna go crazy thinking about how these people are doing this. I'm gonna go crazy thinking about how this is impossible. It's just gonna be it's gonna turn me insane. So I either have to let go of my insanity, Or I'm going to go further insane by hanging on to my insanity, which is the way I see the world. Now, the other two stories are going to be probably a little bit more around what I mean when I say letting go. And when I say it's not about giving up, it's not about not having, it's not about becoming somebody else or or changing into something that you, I don't know, that maybe you'd be resisting. It's much more subtle than that. It's much more graceful and grateful than that. And first I'll tell you the story from my teacher, and then I'll tell you a very personal story, a story of mine. So my teacher talks about, this is many years after Maharashi had left his body and um, Ramdas was moving around. He was doing some different things, but he ended up in New York. He, he was going to go to New York. He was going to go to Connecticut, but decided not to go to Connecticut. And instead, it ended up in New York because of a, a friend of his had called him and said, hey, there's this woman in New York that you really should talk to. You really should go and see. And he he wasn't interested in seeing her because he had thought, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go to Connecticut, I'm going to do this thing. It's sort of like, I'm going to go on this path, you know, that egoic path of I'm going to follow this way, I'm going there, and I'm on it, like there, that's the thing. And then he had a dream where Maharishi came to him in a dream and said, Go to New York. <laughs> so he went to New York and the lady said that, that this woman who he's going to meet, when he talked to her, he said, I have your guru in my basement. And of course, this astounded Ram Dass because he had had a dream. Maharashi told him to go to New York. And now this woman is saying, hey, uh, Maharashi is here. So when he arrived in New York and he saw this, this woman who was lying in samadhi in her basement, samadhi is, you guys can look that up. It's a divine state of out of body where you are yeah, it's even difficult to articulate, and I don't want to get into it on this podcast, but she was in Submadi, and it was a very um, strange Submadhi for for Ramdas to see. But um, when she came out of Submadi, which is kind of like a meditative state where you're not breathing and it looks almost like you're dead, and she he, the way he describes it is she looked dead. She came out, and her first kind of reaction was, who is this guy? Why is he in my basement? What is he doing here? How could Maharashi be channeled through this woman who seems to be so prickly, right? So kind of like, you know, what are you doing here? Get out of here, you know, because his idea of saints, his idea of holy people are, you know, they're kind and welcoming and, and you know, that's just not what he experienced with her. But what happened was later she started to channel Maharashi and and Ramdas had a conversation with him, with Maharashi through her, knowing that it was him because all the things that they discussed were things that Maharashi had talked to him about shortly before he had left his body. And things that nobody else could know about. So he knew, of course, like this is like she is channeling my guru now. Now because of this, he started to build a relationship with this woman and talk to her, and and she channeled more for him. But he was at the time he was in a a state of karmic yoga, uh, karma yoga, which is to say. a life of service. He was serving, so he was working a lot. There was a lot of work. There was a lot of serving. There was a lot of doing. It's karma. Karma means action. Karma yoga means yoga and action. It means using your action to bring you closer to God, to bring you into presence with divinity, to serve others, to feed others, to live for others. And that's one of the ways, one of the yogas that you can use to you can practice, bring yourself closer to presence, to divine presence, to divine unity. And that's what he was doing. So he was working long, long days, you know, wake up in the morning, do a quick meditation, have a cup of coffee, go to work, come back from work, have some food, go right to bed. And, you know, because of his conditioning, uh, before he was Ramdas, he was Richard Halpert. You know, he was a Harvard graduate, worked with Timothy Leary in the LSD in the, in the 60s, and everything of his classical conditioning had told him that eight hours of sleep to be fully rested and being able, able to function the next day. Does that resonate with you guys? Have you guys heard that? I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've heard that for you to function, you need to get eight to nine hours of sleep. Seven, you can get by with any less than seven. You start getting to six and five hours. You're not going to be able to function. Your body won't work very well. It's just not, you know, you're not going to be fully alert. And this is a story. This is channel three. This is where we get into channel three, where we have needs. My identity needs, my ego needs, you know, even to say my body needs is not really the body. It's the body does need rest for sure, but eight hours of sleep a night is not a body thing, it's a thought thing. And so he had this mentality, he had this belief. And sure enough, what would happen was right as he was getting ready to go to sleep at 11 p.m., you know, to be awake at 7 a.m., this woman would call. <laughs> she would call him and she would talk for hours, three, four hours. He'd be so agitated, agitated, agitated. Because he needed to get to sleep, like, what was he going to do? Hang up on her? Like, this is the woman that channels his guru, so he's not going to hang up on her. He's, he's going to give her the give her attention and time. But the whole time he's thinking, oh, I just wish she would, wish she would finish her, get on with it, like, be done, so I can get to sleep. And this, the way he tells the story is, the moment he let go of that, the moment he let go of that want, that desire, that desire to get off the phone, the moment he just surrendered into well. I guess I'm going to be on the phone. I guess this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be on the phone for as long as it takes for her to, you know, tell her story or get out her vision or channel her message or whatever it is. I'm just going to be here. That's going to be the way it is. The moment he switched to that mindset was when she said, well, good night, talk to you tomorrow. And she hung up and it would happen that way. And it was, and again, like that was the lesson. That was his guru. That was the Maharashi. That was the divinity within you kind of showing him, showing him his, pathology showing him his neurosis showing him this conditioning that you think you need and the moment you let go of what you think you need then you will be free then you will find gratitude then you will find it's just it just is it's just happening it's here and it's okay and I don't need this I'm gonna tell you my story brothers because that was a story of my teacher I'm gonna tell you my story my story was in the jungles of Peru And it was January of 2021, I believe, maybe 2022. I can't really remember. The past is completely irrelevant, but it was January and I was in Iquitos, Peru. I was there for a month. You guys may remember actually, because the podcast episodes during that time were interviews. I had pre-recorded all the interviews with students so that I could be gone for a month in the jungle and not have, I had no internet. I had no, you know, there was nothing. I took a month off of working with students. I took a month off recording podcasts. I was living in retreat center in Peru with no internet, no Wi-Fi. We had electricity for a couple hours at night. Otherwise, it was run on a generator. Otherwise, it was just sunlight. And it was an ayahuasca retreat. And every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we would go into ayahuasca ceremony. We drink ayahuasca. And then Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday would be integration days and sharing days. And then Sunday would kind of be a free day. And of course, we would stay on the retreat center. We wouldn't go into the city because of the energies. We didn't want to pick up energies into the in So We'd stay in the jungle. And I was there for a month. And so in a month, in four weeks, I participated in 12 ayahuasca ceremonies, drank ayahuasca 12 times. And the first two weeks, two and a half weeks, actually, it was actually the first seven. It was the first seven ceremonies. I had no experience other than purging. I had no experience other than six hours of vomiting into a bucket. <laughs> and I had all kinds of thoughts going through me, guys. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, like, there were thoughts of, like, why me? Like, why Why is it that everybody's having these visions? Everybody's getting these messages. Everybody's being talked to by grandmother ayahuasca. But the only thing that's happening for me is purging, just vomiting. Like, it's just constant, you know, up, you know, I, just, I would just purge, 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 purge for hours, 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 hours. And that was the other thought that was going through my mind. So one thought was, poor me, right? One thought was, I'm a victim, The other thought was for these guys, because they're all... Deep into their journeys, they're all deep into their. I mean, there was men and women. We had usually ten to thirteen people in the ceremony. So you'd have people on the other side of the maloka, which is like a hut, a jungle hut. We have other people on the other side of the maloka. We'd have we'd have men and women, you know, having orgasms because of the ayahuasca. You know, sending pleasurable vibration all through their body. We would have people on other parts of the maloka screaming from the terrors of visions of fear that they were having and shaking. We'd have people kind of moaning and, and talking to themselves. There were people that were. You know, there was all kinds of different things happening. And, and here I was just puking, just vomiting for six hours. And so I thought, man, like, you know, these people, poor poor these people, you know, they've come to experience a beautiful journey of ayahuasca. And you know, they listen, it's like being in a frat house, being in a frat house, listening to me puke all night, right? Like, you know, and I wasn't the only one puking, you know, everybody kind of has some purging experiences, but, you know, maybe once or twice, you know, you, they purge out whatever is in them that they've been hanging on to physically and energetically. And then usually the visions start to kick in and they go on their journey. But, you know, I'd puke and 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 purge and purge and then we just keep going all night long for two and a half weeks, seven ceremonies. And then on the eighth ceremony, it was Wednesday, right? It was the third week on a Wednesday. And the curandero, which is the shaman, curandero is the shaman who sings the Icaros, right? Moves the energy with sound. She had a pipe that was baked in ayahuasca. She'd smoke tobacco out of it. She gave it to one of the facilitators, filled it with tobacco. I mean, this was a deep pipe, brothers. This is not like a corn cob pipe. This was a pipe that was three or four inches deep. You know, it had a bowl of three or four inches and, you know, it would go up and you would smoke it. And she filled it with tobacco and she gave it to one of the facilitators and said, Take this to Kevin and have him smoke it till it's gone. Smoke it, have them smoke it, all of it. And I don't smoke tobacco, okay? I've, had, I've smoked Tepescoite, I've smoked bufo, I've smoked marijuana, I've smoked many things, but I, I don't smoke tobacco. I had a really bad experience with nicotine when I was a kid, and it was cigarettes, you know, so it was probably the chemicals and the tar and the oils and whatever other junk they put in there, but it was a horrible experience. Basically, my mom didn't want me to smoke cigarettes, so she gave me a pack of cigarettes, locked me in a closet, and told me to smoke them, smoke them all. And she and it did the trick. I never wanted to smoke again. I had to clean out the closet because there was vomit everywhere. You know, you could call that child abuse today. But, you know, back then it was, you know, a way to prevent your kids from smoking. Teach them how horrible it feels and they'll never do it again. And it worked because I never did it again. But here now I'm 40. I don't know what I was, 42, 43 years old, 40, 41. Again, I don't know how old I was, but I'm, I'm in my 40s and I've got a pipe in my hand being told to smoke it till it's gone. Like, oh man, here we go, right? I'm already vomiting. I'm already purging. It's already coming out of me. What's the idea here? What what does she want? It's like, I don't know. Just smoke it till it's gone. Smoke all the tobacco. Oh man, okay, here we go. So I light it up, take a puff, vomit, right? Oh my God, tobacco. As soon as tobacco gets into my body, like, oh, I can feel the nausea. It just comes and it rips through me. Like oh, vomiting, vomiting, vomiting. And of course, as I vomit, poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. You know, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. Why am I vomiting? Why do I have to smoke this? Why is nothing happening with the ayahuasca? Poor me, poor me, poor me. I take another, I light it up again, take another big puff. Oh, it's all coming out. Poor me, poor me, poor me, poor me. And I do this four or five times and then I put my finger in the pipe because, of course, like I told you, as a kid and, and even to my adult, I smoked a lot of marijuana. I knew how to work with a pipe, a glass pipe. And I knew that as You know, the flour turns into carbon, turns into ash. You know, you got to push it down. You got to like mash it up a bit. And I, you know, took four or five hits, pushed it down a little bit, took four or five more hits, pushed it down a little bit. And I started to realize like this pipe, is not getting any lower. The tobacco is not getting any lower. The tobacco is still at the top. I even had to get out my light. And they don't like lights in the Maloka during ayahuasca because it happens at nighttime. All ceremonies are at night. They like it nice and dark. It helps with the experience. But you're allowed a little tiny light just in case you need to find like, you know, your water, your puke bucket, or, you know, if you're your way to the, to the toilet or whatever. So I had a little light, I had a little red light, you know, a little infrared light. And I looked in there. and Sure enough, the tobacco was still right at the very top. It was brown. It was brown and at the top. As if I hadn't smoked it at all. And I'd taken five, ten hits. I'm like, what is this magic? Like, what is going on here? What am I experiencing? I put my light down. Like, well, maybe I've lost my mind, right? Like, maybe I don't understand. Maybe I haven't really smoked it at all. Maybe the flame has been too far from the flower. Maybe... I'm not getting it or it's not not burning. Maybe something else is going on, but I'm just losing my mind. So I'm like, okay, I'll keep going, I'll keep going. So I light it again, smoke it again, four or five hits. After every hit, I'm vomiting, I'm why me, why me, pity me, vomiting, vomiting, smoke some more, pity me, vomiting, vomiting, wondering if everybody else is hearing this, wondering what other people are thinking, wondering if they're worried about me, right? Is anybody concerned about me? Because all I'm doing is vomiting. You guys are out there enjoying yourself. You guys are having orgasms and I'm vomiting. You guys even care, right? So this is all happening. And once again, I get out my light and I look. And, and once again, now I'm I'm feeling this smoke in my lungs. I'm feeling it in my body. I know I'm hitting this stuff. I know I'm hitting this tobacco. But I get my light out and I look. And um, once again, it's at the top of the pipe. And it's like it's never been hit lit. It's like it's never been hit. And I just can't believe it. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I don't know what's happening. And I start to really freak out. Because I, now I'm thinking, well, if this isn't going anywhere... Am I going to be doing this all night? Am I going to be smoking this all night? Is this some kind of magic? Is this some kind of weird experience that I'm having with ayahuasca where I'm just supposed to like smoke this pipe all night? Like the tobacco is not going to burn. It's going to combust into my lungs. I'm going to get the smoke, but it's just not going to burn. It's going to be, it's going to last forever. And sure enough, I take it three, four more hits, vomit, 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 vomit. And then something changes at this point. Oh, excuse me. I'm I'm feeling it. Actually, I'm feeling the experience myself right now something changed at that moment. Instead of purging and saying, why me? The purge became a thank you. It became a gratitude. And it wasn't a conscious thing. It was not conscious, brothers. It's not like I said to myself, you know what? The only way I'm going to get this tobacco to burn is if I switch from self-pity to gratitude. It's funny, right? It's like, it wasn't a conscious thing. It's not like I was aware of this thought. It's just like it erupted from within me. It was like I was bending over the bowl. You know, the facilitators were great because they'd bring me a bowl like every 30 minutes. It was just insane how much I was purging. I didn't even eat that much. I mean, we were in a retreat center where we were only being fed a couple meals a day and they were ayahuasca diets, you know, so it was no salt, bland vegetables, bland rice, and maybe a hard boiled egg. We really weren't getting that that much. And I was purging all night. So where was this coming from? Again, that was the other mystery. But I'm bending over this bowl, this plastic bowl. And all of a sudden, there was just this shift within my body, within my heart. It went from why me to thank you. And like I say, you can probably hear it. I'm trying to hold back tears, actually. I'm trying to hold back this emotion because I can feel it now. I can feel the gratitude even now. I started to be grateful for every purge. I started to say thank you for every time something came out of me. It was like, thank you. It wasn't like, oh, this is so painful. Oh, why is this happening? It was thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the tobacco. Thank you for the ayahuasca. Thank you for the vomit, the purge. Thank you for the maloca. Thank you for the people. Thank you for the mat that I'm lying on, for the light that I have to look at this tobacco. Thank you for the singing from the Cundendero. Thank you for the moon that's in the sky and the stars that are out there. Thank you for the trees and the animals that I can hear and the insects that are buzzing. And Thank you for everything. And Then, I would take another hit. And then, it happened again. I would vomit and there would just be this thank you coming out of me. Rather than the agitation and anger of why, why me? Why am I not experiencing what they're experiencing? Why am I not getting out of ayahuasca what I had expected to get? It just came out of thank you. Thank you. And it just kept coming out in this thank you, thank you, thank you. Everything just became so, I just was filled with gratitude. I was filled with gratitude for every, and I was eager to take another hit. You could imagine, I was eager, it's like because I was in such gratitude. I realized that this was for me, this was working for me, not against me. I wasn't the victim here. I was the recipient of the blessing. And I took another hit and I vomited again. And it just kept coming out, just more thank yous. And it became audible at one point where as i was purging as i was vomiting thank you you know like thank you and i goes like, it's like as i was vomiting you could hear people could hear me say thank you because the next day they would say that in the in the circle in the sharing circle like yeah we could hear you like you were just in such gratitude about your vomiting <laughs> i was crying i was vomiting i was saying thank you after four or five hits i put my finger in the pipe and there was ash there was ash in there and i pushed it down and i took some more hits I vomited and I said, thank you. And it just kept coming out. And again, I, I put my finger in there and it, my finger got deeper and it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And finally, I finished the pipe. I'd been able to smoke the whole pipe. I emptied it out. And the facilitator drew, he came over and I gave him the pipe and he took it back to Lydia, the Kudendero. And that was it. And that was the story, brothers. That's the story of, of the miracle that happened. Because I believe, I still believe to this day that if I had not shifted that energy and it wasn't me that's the thing. It wasn't any form of I that I know, right? It wasn't Kevin. It wasn't Kevin and it wasn't, it wasn't a low version of Kevin. It wasn't a high version of Kevin. It wasn't my lower self. It wasn't my higher self. It wasn't the Kevin that makes mistakes and it wasn't the Kevin that has accomplishments. It wasn't any of that. It was just there. All of a sudden, it was there flowing out of me. And I believe that if that energy hadn't shifted, if that hadn't come out of me, that gratitude hadn't come, I would still be in that maloka smoking that tobacco pipe to this day because I would never have emptied that pipe. That flower would never have burned. The only reason that flower started to burn and started to lower, started to started to empty that pipe, was because I became grateful for the process. It was because I wasn't rejecting the process anymore. Because I had finally learned to let go. Because I had let go of what I had expected I had let go of what I wanted, I had let go of who I thought I was, and I hadn't given anything up. You see, brothers, that's, that's the whole point of this podcast episode is I didn't have to give anything up. I didn't have to push anything away, and I didn't change. It's not like I, it's not like I went into the Maloka that night, and then the next morning I was a completely different person. I was still the same guy. I looked the same, I thought the same, I acted the same. You know, there's nothing different about me except for in that one moment. That one moment, there was an energy shift. You know, it's not like I had stopped doing all the things that I had done. You know, it's not like I had made a career change or broke up with my girlfriend or, you know, decided to move cross country. You know, there was no midlife crisis here. I didn't have a massive change in my personality. I just let go. I just let go of my expectations. I just let go of the models and the manuals that I have for the way the world is or should be. That's the letting go. That's where you let go. And you just say, okay, I let go. I surrender. I give up. I'm, I'm, I give up. And in that state, in that moment, what is surrendering? What is giving up? The not you. Who you think you are is giving up. Who you think you are is surrendering because who you think you are can no longer live in that state when it's met with these miracles, when it's met with these situations. I wanna emphasize this as well, brothers, I'll say this again, it, I didn't, this wasn't a conscious choice. It just happened. It happened when it was meant to happen. And that's the problem with process. That's the problem with religion. Because anytime you think that there's a way, anytime you think there's a process, you will get lost in that process and that process will become your prison. There is no process, there is no way, even the academy, I'm not shooting myself in the foot by saying this. If anything, I want you guys to know the truth. The academy is not the way. The academy is not the way. The academy just offers you potential, possibility, a chance to see what maybe you've never seen before. But if you get stuck in models of alignment and emotional contrast and all of the doing and all the stuff and all the ritual and all of the dogma, then you're just lost in the process. You're, you're right back in the world. You're right back in it. You're right back into expectation. As long as I follow this process, I'll get what I want. You're right back in it. That's not letting go. That's hanging on. That's hanging on to who you think you should be. And so, brothers, letting go doesn't mean giving up something. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean taking all of your possessions and giving them to, to charity. It doesn't mean becoming a different person or moving cross country or, or divorcing your wife. It doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean these what, have, what people go through when they say they have a midlife crisis. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm gonna say letting go or detach. You know, the Buddha used the term detachment, to detach. You know, Christ said, be in the world, but not of the world. You know, that's, that's, that's the same thing. And maybe Christ said it better. Because when Buddha says detach, pe- maybe people hear, I have to, to give up of something, you know, I have, to re- I have to reject something, I have to reject the world. And what Christ said is, be in the world, but not of it, which is to say, you're not rejecting the world. You're rejecting your expectations. You're letting go of your expectations, of your models, of your manuals, of your experience. You're letting go of your past. You're letting go of all the things that you use to create a safety net in the present. And you let go of it all. So you can just be and f- experience the now, the present. So what are you letting go of? Nothing. You're letting go of something that does, that never existed anyway, which is a story, which is identity, which is ego. It never existed. Kevin doesn't exist. Kevin is ink typed on a piece of paper filed in a county somewhere in Alaska because I was born in Alaska. It's on a birth certificate. Kevin's on a birth certificate. That's what I'm saying to you. That's not who I am. It's a sound, Kevin. It's a sound. That's what it is. It's not what I am. It's a label. We get in it. We get stuck. We can let go of that. And the moment we let go of that, what do we do? We flip the channel. Because when I let go of Kevin, I flip the channel from three to four to five, maybe. Because channel five is Taurus, (laughs) right? And channel two is uh, male body, right? And channel three is Kevin. And channel four is, you know, comfortable, I guess, because right now I feel... Comfortable. Grateful. A moment ago, I felt grateful. You know, you you could hear the emotion in me. I felt so grateful. I almost burst into tears. And that was channel four. That was my gratitude coming through me. I was identifying with it so much so that it was difficult to continue to teach. Just had to flip back. (laughs) Had to flip back into another channel so I could keep going with you guys. So letting go. I say this and I'll say this and we'll end it here. We'll, We'll kind of conclude the podcast here. Letting go is not rejecting it's not renouncing it's not pushing away it's not giving up it's not it's not an outward change it's nothing it has nothing to do with the external whatsoever simplicity has nothing to do with the external whatsoever we talk about simplicity i'm not talking about minimalism minimalism might be an effect or a result of simplicity but i'm not talking about giving away all your possessions that's minimalism i'm talking about being simple having a simple mind, having an awakened heart so you can be sensitive and you can be subtle and you can be closer to who you are, closer to that present moment, which is here and now, versus being complex, having a complex mind, which is full of thoughts and future and past and expectation and judgment and models and manuals and, and all the things, that's complexity. That's internal. It's all internal. And letting go is an internal process. It's an internal process of surrendering your ego, surrendering your expectations, surrendering your wants, desires. And I, yes, I said that, surrendering your wants, desires, because what do you want? Well, the question is not what do you want, the question is who are you? <laughs> right? Because to ask who do you want, you have to ask well, who is the you that wants? And it's going to change, it's going to vary based on who you think you are. Because your body wants one thing, your mind or your ego wants another, your emotions want another, right? Your astral energy wants another, your mirror, if we go all the way to channel six, wants another. Who? Who is it? Who are we talking about? Let it go. Let go and you will experience the truth. You'll be able to see that we're flipping channels here (laughs) to go back to the last couple weeks. But brothers, again, I want to remind you that during this time, during December, there is the discount in the courses, but there's also a discount in the consultation calls. And if any of these podcast episodes have you resonating, have you vibrating, have you in a frequency of alignment and you have questions, you want to know more, you want to go deeper. Now is the time. Now is the time to reach out, to ask these questions. Because I can sit here and talk all day. I can talk all day long. And this is satsang. You know, this is sacred. This is a sacred meeting. But a sacred meeting is elevated when questions can be asked. And we can have a dialogue instead of a monologue. And that's what I have for you today, brothers. Until next week, elevate your alpha.